All right, everyone, welcome to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jason Mullet. Uh, you can visit our website at logicalbelief.org. You, know, you can find these podcasts on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel there. You can also find us on iTunes and the Google Play database. Just search for Logical Belief, Logical Belief Ministries. Uh, you can find us, subscribe to the feed there, and add it to your podcast catcher. Um, if you have any questions, any words of encouragement, um, you can send those to jason at logicalbelief.org. Um, <clears throat> what I would encourage you, the uh, you listeners out there that are regular listeners and enjoy the show, um, to go and rate us on iTunes. Uh, it's very helpful to um, uh, our search results uh, coming out for Christian podcasts. Um, so just go out there and write a short review and rate us. Um, also, uh, just um, a reminder, I brought it up in the last show, that um, we will be having uh, a drawing coming up, uh, similar to the drawing I did on the ultimate proof of creation. Um, uh, Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity Ministries is going to be sending me three books, uh, three copies of his book, uh, What Do They Believe? Um, it's a short, concise, uh, systematic theology on uh, Judaism, uh, Mormon, Mormons, um, uh, Roman Catholicism, Islam, and Christianity. Uh, just a, a, a good, concise work that's going to help equip you to sharing your faith with um, the different cults. And uh, so... What I would do is not just wait for the drawing to see if you'll win it, but uh, go out and pick up the book yourself. Uh, so it's a good resource to have. So uh, today <clears throat> we are having back on the show um, my friend, uh, Pastor Stan Gibson. Again, uh, we had him back on episode, I believe, 49, uh, talking about uh, a topic, uh, uh, the Freemasons in particular. And uh, I learned a lot of things in that episode, and uh, I wanted to have Brother Stan back um, because I think there's a lot of uh, – this is a topic that is not addressed very much and um, is more of a problem within the Christian church than uh, many people would probably realize. And so what we wanted to do today is – go into more of the claims, the ceremonies of uh, the, uh, the Freemasons and compare those to Scripture. Last week we talked more, or not last week, but the last time I interviewed Brother Stan, uh, we talked more about uh, his experiences, his personal experiences with Freemasons in his church and, and so forth. But today we want to focus more on... Um, Actually, what do the Freemasons uh, believe from their own writings, from their ceremonies, and then compare those to Scripture? So uh, uh, for those of you that have not uh, uh, listened to the previous episode, I'm going to give Stan a, just a brief opportunity to just give a short introduction for himself again, uh, who he is, where he's from, and then we'll go ahead and jump into the topic of the program. So welcome, Brother Stan. Hi, Jason, and thank you for having me back on your podcast. This is a, it's an excellent opportunity to get the truth out, so I'm excited about this. Very good. So 
tell us a little bit about your ministry, where you pastor, and uh, okay. what you're doing right now. Well, I I am the pastor of Pacific Baptist Church in Pacific, Missouri. It's it's roughly about thirty miles uh, southwest. No, nah, it's actually more west of St. Louis. So uh, I just say I'm from St. Louis. Uh, but I've been a pastor, a Southern Baptist pastor, for 25 years. And uh, this matter of uh, Freemasonry and uh, uh, it being in the church is something I know full well. Um, and uh, I think from the last podcast, we talked about how the Southern Baptist Convention is not willing to confront this head on as they should. Uh, but my experience with the Freemasons all began back in the late 90s when I had a confrontation with the chairman of deacons at the church that I was uh, then pastor of. And, uh, of course, we went, uh, I was ignorant of all the things about Freemason at the time. Uh, but he piqued my curiosity, and uh, lo and behold, uh, through some providential circumstances, God brought to me uh, just over 100 books uh, written by Masonic authors, and uh, I was able to research them and and be able to uh, be able to witness to my chairman of deacons, to which he had nothing to do with it. Uh, it led to him being frustrated with me, his son making a death threat on me, and and so um, anyway, that's that's the skinny of uh, of how I know you and I connected because I had posted on another page uh, my testimony, and you saw that, and and here we are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> uh, you had posted, and I, I believe actually. Um, uh, the polemics report or pulpit and pen um, had reposted your story. I don't know. Were you aware of that? Uh, yes, I was. Uh, Seth told me, Seth Dunn told me that he was going to uh, publish that on, I forgot what it was. I think it was pulpit and pen. Okay. Yeah. That's, I think I read it on there, but I had actually seen the original post on Facebook <laughs> and it really, well, the reason it had actually intrigued me was because um, <laughs> before I became a Christian, um, I had a friend of mine who uh, tried to influence me and tried to get me to join the lodge. And um, I had looked into them a little bit. I, I was more aware of the Freemasons from a, uh, a conspiracy theorist right, <laughs> perspective right. uh, and not necessarily from a, you know, what, what uh, do they believe in comparison to what scripture says? So um, I did not uh, end up uh, joining the Freemasons, even though I was very, um, uh, intrigued by it and actually had contemplated it. But I believe it was by God's grace that he uh, kept me Amen. from that. Amen. But, but um, so we wanted to kind of jump in. I think you have a book uh, by the Freemasons, by uh, uh, one of the uh, very popular Albert Pike, I believe. Can you give us yes. uh, a little bit of a background into who he is and his book? And we're going to talk about some of the stuff in that book. Okay, well, first off, I want to say, yeah, I do have a book uh, by Albert Pike. It's Morals and Dogma. Uh, before I get in there, I, I, I want everybody to uh, that's listening today or watching today or will watch this later on, I by no means uh, consider myself an expert in the area of Freemasonry. I know uh, some. I used to know more. I've forgotten over the years of their rituals with inside the lodge. Um, but my approach to this, Jason, more than anything else, is is that I have a pastor's heart uh, for the people that are either in the lodge or perhaps uh, know somebody in the lodge or somebody like you in the past that's contemplating joining it. And uh, and so my my desire is uh, not to come from it from an expertise uh, type of approach, but rather pastor's heart 
in uh, in just kind of sounding the warning and uh, and also just uh, admonishing them to go back to the Word of God and see what the Bible does say. But you did approach, uh, or you did uh, uh, speak of uh, Albert Pike's book um, that I have. It's called Morals and Dogma, and I'm holding it up. And I told you before the show, I found out that this book is uh, is kind of a rare uh, publication today, and it's actually worth some money. And I joked around with you after the show uh, or after this podcast. I think I'm going to sell it so I can go on a cruise. Um, but uh, no, this is uh, this is Albert Pike is a revered uh, a revered author uh, and highly respected uh, Freemason. And uh, most of what he publishes uh, uh, is kind of foundational for them. At least that's that's been my experience. Uh, although most Freemasons would deny deny a lot of what Albert Pike says because it's so uh, well, it's so for no better words, it's so damning to their to their foundation. Although it is foundational for them, they deny that publicly because of a lot of the things he has to say concerning the authority of Scripture, concerning the personhood of Jesus Christ. But uh, what he has to say is really eye-opening, and, and it's something that I think we need to investigate and, and, and compare today to the Bible. One of the things I want to bring up, too, before we kind of maybe dive in <clears throat> head, head deep here, but uh, is uh, I did have an email that I received from a listener who um, uh, said that uh, in our last podcast that we may not have uh, represented Freemasonry um, as well as we could have. And so I want to give Stan a little bit of an opportunity to maybe address that. And I think that part of the reason for that is, is that these uh, lodges, people in the Freemasons, uh, especially at the lower levels, may have had different experiences uh, and, and probably were not uh, that aware of all the teachings and, and things within Freemasonry, uh, depending on what level they're at. So, so, so for some of you out there as Freemasons, you may be actively Freemasons or were in the past, and you go, well, I, we, we didn't believe those things, but it, it may simply be that you were just uh, unaware or ignorant uh, at that time of some of the things that Freemasonry actually historically has stood for and actually has believed. Yeah, well, first off, to the gentleman who, who wrote that, that we didn't accurately uh, uh, portray Freemasons, uh, I would have to say that I take ownership in some of that. And uh, if that gentleman is watching this particular podcast, uh, again, I'm no expert, uh, uh, but I am a man of God. I am a, I'm a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. <clears throat> and one of the things that I did say that I think uh, was unfair is I called it, what was it? I, I just said it, uh, a glorified uh, Boy Scouts. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and to that I apologize because my intention isn't, is it to name call or um, to be mean spirited? My 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 purpose, even on this show, is to is to bring people to the attention of whether or not Freemasonry is uh, compatible with biblical Christianity. And what you did say is right. Uh, the entry level Freemasons, um, in fact, uh, one of the quotes Albert Pike makes in his book Morals and Dogma, is that the initiate is intentionally misled. Um, He's intentionally kept in the dark about the deeper things of Freemasonry because I believe that if the initiate uh, finds out or or is all that information is unloaded to him, unloaded on him early in those uh, in those 
those early days, I, I think his eyes would be wide open to what he's actually getting into. Yeah. It's only it's only after Jason. Here's what I believe: it's only after he gets involved in this uh, in the lodge that he befriends people. He sees the uh, <clears throat> excuse me the fringe benefits, if you will, of the brotherhood of the lodge, and uh, he sees nothing wrong with it, and he begins to embrace it because he's being treated so well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and who doesn't want to be accepted? And so yeah. he's not going to think ill of the people that are widely just opening their arms and embracing him. So he begins to let his guard down, and then as he rises through the ranks of the lodge, uh, they unload on him some of the uh, the more what I would consider uh, sinister uh, doctrines or teachings of the lodge. Well, I don't I don't want to use a pejorative, but. Um, you know, what you just described there is really how most cults operate. Um, Absolutely. Exact, that's exactly the way they operate. They, they right. have a community. Um, they develop uh, some sort of a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you become involved. You become emotionally attached. And then you start accepting things that you would not have accepted initially. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, did you want to start getting into some of the 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 yeah, quotes, some, okay. of, some of the scripture stuff? Well, you <laughs> bet. Uh, one of the things that uh, one of the I, I was kind of struggling how I would introduce this because normally if I talk to <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> Freemasons or or uh, or what have you, um, it's one on one. So I'm there across the table with them or whatever, and. Uh, um, so I was going, how do I introduce this in, into a podcast show? And so uh, I, I think the best way to do this is to open up the question, as I said earlier. I think the greatest question that we have to ask, whether it's joining the Freemasons or it's joining any particular association or group of people, I think the number one question Christians should ask themselves is, is this organization or association biblical? Does it match up with the Word of God? Uh, Basically, will my association with this group I'm considering joining, will it hinder my walk with Christ, or will it cause somebody that I know to stumble uh, in, in my witness of Christ, or will it keep them from understanding who Jesus is? And I think those are valid questions that anyone should ask. In fact, I, I don't join anything, not even Little League, uh, without making sure I understand what in the world they're going to yeah. present. I don't want to associate with something that isn't biblical. And so, meaning this, if we join something um, without checking out biblical compatibility, uh, then we're going to uh, we're going to offer legitimacy to something that 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 God says is absolutely wrong. Yeah. And I think that's that's what makes this all so dangerous. Um, one of the things that I, we have to start at, and, and if I was in a witnessing encounter with the Freemason, is we have to agree that the Bible is the sole authority of truth. Now, that's going to be hard for somebody that's beyond the third degree of the lodge because they've already been they've already been told enough and so, you know repeated that the Bible is just one source of truth. It's one source of many lights that is out there. But we have to agree that the Bible is the foundational authority on all matters of life. Uh, The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy uh, uh, 3.16, all Scripture is inspired or literally breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction, and for training in righteousness. So we have to start 
with, uh, with that particular foundation. And so as I, as I move forward in this, I, I think it's important for, for us to understand that the Freemasons see the Bible, again, as I've already said, as a symbol of, uh, of, uh, of light. They don't see it as the final authority. So, so that's where the issue comes in at. And, and, and I have a quote from Morals and Dogma from Albert Pike concerning, um, concerning their view on uh, the authority of Scripture, or should I say the lack of the authority of Scripture. Here's what, here's what Albert Pike said. He said, we do not undervalue the importance of any truth. Uh, we utter no word that can be deemed irreverent by anyone of any faith. We do not tell the Muslim that, that it is only important for him to believe that there is but one God and wholly essential whether Muhammad was the prophet. We do not tell the Hebrew that the Messiah, uh, whom he expects, was born in Bethlehem nearly 2,000 years ago, and that he is a heretic because he will not so believe. And as little do we tell the sincere Christian that Jesus of Nazareth was but a man like us, or his history, but the unreal revival of an older legend. I don't know if you heard that or not. Mm-hmm. That right there is, if if I was speaking to a man who was considering considering to enter the lodge and becoming a mason, or one that's recently entered the lodge, or one that's in the lodge, and he claims to be a Christian, that right there should raise the hair on the back of your neck. Yeah. That Jesus is nothing more than a revived, um, basically, legend or mythology. But he goes on to say this, to do either is beyond our jurisdiction, masonry, of no age belongs to all time, of no one religion, it finds its great truths in all. Uh, yeah. That's an ecumenical, universal type statement. So they they reduce the authority of Scripture, Jason, and, and uh, what we have to do if we're going to see if uh, the Lodge is compatible with Christianity is, is we have to understand that the Bible is, is, is the only source of truth, uh, yeah. that it is the only... Uh, it's all sufficient. It is our foundation for for being able to see what we're belonging to is right or wrong. Um, well, and I would uh, even bring you. You quoted Second uh, Timothy three sixteen, which is the word to go. But let's even go to the very next verse that the man absolutely. of God may be complete, and another trans. Some translations say thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Scripture is is thorough and sufficient. For us, we don't need anything outside of Scripture. God has provided what is necessary uh, for the Christian uh, to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's right, exactly right. And the Bible also commands us um, in First John four one. Remember, uh, John said, "He said, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God." And here's the statement. He says, for many false prophets, our false teachers have gone out into the world. And John's implying that we need to test everything that comes through our ears, every claim that comes to us, and especially that of of an organization or a fraternal fraternal order such as the Freemasons. Because John says, and and John says says it this way, he says, for many false prophets, in other words, the majority of what we're going to hear is actually erroneous. Uh, there are more um, 
there are more people out there uh, bearing false witness, if you will, than are telling the truth. And that's how narrow it is. And uh, the source of testing, obviously, has to be the authoritative word of God, the Bible. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Well, and one of the things that, uh, that Christians need to recognize is, is that um, when Satan comes, he always comes disguised as an angel of light. Right. And the gift of discernment is not being able to spot abject heresy, complete, uh, total deception. No, Satan always comes, and I like what MacArthur even says about that. Satan is most effective in the church when he comes not as an open enemy, but as a false friend. Not when he persecutes the church, but when he joins it. Not when he attacks the pulpit, but when he stands in it. So our job as Christians is to have that discernment muscle exercised so that we can recognize the work of, as you just read in 1 John 4, of the Antichrist that are going to be among us, not those outside. Um, and also, I mean, we're mandated by Scripture uh, in uh, Ephesians five eleven to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's right. And so this is our mandate. This is uh, what Scripture has told us to do. Absolutely. And, you know, <clears throat> what you said is right. It would be so much easier, wouldn't it, if, uh, if deceivers, if demons, if Satan himself would come around wearing a red suit with horns and, a, and uh, a pointy tail, because then we could say, wow, that's somebody we don't need to listen to. But MacArthur's absolutely right. In fact, MacArthur is, is my all-time favorite pastor. Um, uh, he's absolutely right. What what Satan loves to do is he loves to infiltrate. I mean, we see that in Jude, um, uh, where we're called, where we're told to contend for the faith because there are men who have slipped in unawares, and you only can slip in unawares if if uh, number one people put down their discernment muscle, as you called it, uh, but also they have to come in masquerading. As uh, as as truth, as masquerading as people who are who are honest about the things of God when they're not, and yeah. uh, and often they do it. Mike, we're going back to our introduction. They do it by befriending, by being emotionally uh, um, available to people, and all of these things. And they and they pull them in like this. And so, um, our, our, the problem with our churches, man, the problem. For example, I made a Facebook post the other day. Is it? Uh, uh, do you want your pastor to warn you as a congr- as a part of the congregation? Do you want him to warn you of false teachers and false teachings? Well, everybody on that uh, posted, uh, sure, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we want. But I ended that conversation with this question or with this statement. Unfortunately, the Church of America today um, uh, they'll say they want to they want to be warned of false teachers until it is their teacher that is exposed. Yeah. Yes. For example, like if I say something negative about Joe Osteen from the pulpit, I'm going, you know, not anymore, but depends where I go. If I do a revival or whatever, people are going to come up to me afterwards and they're going to say he's a great godly guy. Or, um, you know, you can know uh, John Hagee, uh, boy, yeah. 
You know, he's a great teacher. But but so so we're we're all for the warning. We all want discernment until it exposes our own errors or the errors of some beloved teacher that we that we look up to. And and I think this is really the crux of Freemasonry. Those who are involved in it, you, you have to come down. Are you going to believe what the Bible is telling you, clearly telling you, or are you going to believe what people say the Bible is saying by twisting it in order to entice you? Um, it, it just comes down to this. Do you believe the Bible is the final authority? Yes or no. And I, I think that's where it has to start if we're going to appeal to those who are in Freemasonry. Do you believe the Bible is the final authority and is it sufficient? You don't have to go anywhere else in any other book, yeah. uh, in any other, quote, source of light, unquote, as the Masons will say. Is it sufficient in and of itself to lead to everlasting life? And the answer to that is absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, well, all I can say is amen to that sermon. Preach it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think what I'd like to, I read this to you earlier, and, and, and this, is, this is an appeal to, to anyone that's in the lodge already and to anyone that's contemplating it or anyone who knows somebody that's in it. I, I read earlier this statement from the Iowa Quarterly. Uh, it's a Freemason publication. And um, here's what they have to say. Now, now, this is where we need to go back to the Bible, because we can do this in several verses. But it says this, quote, Masonry is a divinely appointed institution. Now, let wow. me just stop right there. So if you're going to find out if that statement is compatible with biblical Christianity, and if the Bible is our final authority, and if it's sufficient, then we ought to find that statement somewhere in the Bible, that Freemasonry is a divinely appointed institution. And I don't see that footnote, I don't see that verse or a footnote in the Bible anywhere that states anything to that measure. So it goes on, it says, Masonry is a divinely appointed institution to draw men nearer to God, <clears throat> to give them a clear con conception of their proper relationship to God as their heavenly father, to men as their brethren, and ultimate destiny of the human soul. So what, what this uh, Iowa Quarterly, this Freemason publication is actually saying, Jason, is that, that Masonry is on par with the Bible. And so you can have your Bible, but if you really want to have a relationship with God, if you really want to have a great relationship with your brothers, if you really want to make sure your soul is secure for everlasting life, <clears throat> then you need to belong to the Freemasons. And that's not, that's not compatible whatsoever with the words of Jesus, with the words of the apostles, nowhere found in the Bible. And it must, even that statement right there, ought to send a red flag up to everybody. And well, say, hey, and, look, this is wrong. And look at the deception at the beginning of the statement. You, you know how Satan, he always comes forward with deception. You know, our goal here is just to draw you closer to God and to, and to draw you together with the brotherhood of, of you know, other human beings. who beauty. wouldn't want that? And yeah, who doesn't want that? I mean, yeah. that's a great Sign goal. Our, you know, our, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, are you opposed to drawing people closer to God and uh, drawing <clears throat> people closer to their fellow man? There uh, you go. That's, that's the straw man right argument. There. That's the straw yeah. man argument that they'll put up. For example, yes. when I'm in a debate with one of them, 
uh, at a local coffee shop or whatever, they'll say, don't you, don't you think it's good that we learn to love God better and what's acceptable to God? Don't you think it's good, no matter what the means are, to becoming better brothers to each other? I mean, what's so bad with that? Here's the other statement. And besides that, who's more benevolent than the Shriners? I mean, come on, we help children. We help children. Yeah. Does the church do this? And yeah. and uh, and so <clears throat> so just, that's the straw man arguments they throw up yeah. there all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's just the argument I heard the other day when talking to somebody about Joyce Meyer. <laughs> Uh, I got the exact same thing. Well, look at all the good that she does. Well, pragmatism is not the source of truth. There you go. God is the source of truth. That's, there you go. And boy, you need to have me on someday about Joyce Meyer. She lives only about 25 minutes from me. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, you ought well, to see her neighborhood. To that. <laughs> Maybe I could go to her neighborhood and just show you all the houses she bought up in her neighborhood <clears throat> for, her, uh, for her children. Uh, anyhow, that's another story for another day, right? Yeah. Um, but I wanted to continue. Uh, one of uh, several years ago, uh, I was invited uh, or asked by uh, a member of my church to uh, to renew their wedding vows. And the venue for this was actually uh, a, Mas- a Masonic Lodge. And um, so I wasn't going to refuse that. I wanted to get my feet inside of there. I felt like Paul uh, on uh, on Mars Hill yeah. there. Um, yeah, the area at the Areopagus. So I was excited about that. And anyhow, <clears throat> when I went there, I picked up all of their literature. They have, they actually have what I would consider uh, uh, tracks uh, to appeal to people. And and one of the tracks said this, and this was their this is their their sales pitch, if you will. This is the literature that Masons are given so they can hand out to to other people as they uh, as they ask them if they want to join the lodge. And their sales pitch is this, making good men better, making good men better. Um, and, and, uh, and now when I pick this up, I, I immediately think about Romans 3, right? Yeah, and that's what exactly. it says. <laughs> right. And, and so, uh, but if, if, if they're talking about, for example, let's use a straw man argument. Who doesn't want to be a better man? Who doesn't want to become better in morality, I mean, who doesn't want to do that? And if they, if that claim on that particular leaflet was, hey, who doesn't want to be more disciplined in their work skills? Who doesn't want to be more parentally involved as a dad? Um, then those claims wouldn't be heresy. Uh, but that's not where they stop at. The claim is, is um, we're going to take a man who is good and we're going to make him better morally and he'll become acceptable unto God. That's really, that's really the enticement that they're using. Um, for example, let me just say this, and I, I jotted these notes down uh, early when I got here this morning. Uh, uh, if, if making a man a better man uh, creates a sense of right standing with God, in other words, creates in his mind the idea that he's okay with God and he's prepared for his own death, um, then it's deception. Yeah. Then it's deception, and it must be rejected. Okay. And uh, that there again, that's that's incompatible with biblical Christianity. Secondly, if making a good man better equates to salvation, and they do state this, and we'll read this in a little bit, uh, that it does uh, equates to salvation and enhances their relationship with God and prepares them for uh, for everlasting life then that right there is heresy. That goes against everything 
scripture teaches because it's works-based salvation then. It's no longer grace-based, faith-based salvation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I saw that statement, and, and I'm going to read Romans. Uh, I'm going to read Romans three ten. So that anyone listening that's in the lodge or considering, here's what the Bible does say in Romans three ten through twelve. It says, "None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless." And here it is: no one does good, not even one. So all you can do with a reprobate in, in, in adding moral, is, um, uh, moral codes or conduct, all you can do is, is really just continue to, he's a reprobate still. He's still lost. He's just a, uh, a more moral lost person. Um, <laughs> but Stan, that's, that's uh, hyperbole. That's, uh, that's just the bad people that are like that. Well, <laughs> well, that's all conclusive, isn't it? I mean, it says yeah. all have turned aside. Yeah. No one does good. And that, again, that goes back to either the Bible means what it says yeah. or it doesn't. So it's either authoritative or it isn't. Now, to that's why I appeal as a pastor's heart to anybody thinking about the lodge or in the lodge. Please consider the sales pitch of Freemasonry. We can take good men and make them better. First off, they're appealing that, that they're actually stating that men are basically good. That's absolutely opposite of what we just read. God's word says man is evil. Man is uh, man is completely morally, spiritually bankrupt, and that's that's where we have to start. Actually, the Bible says uh, we could word it like this: we could take their sales pitch and kind of turn it on its uh, uh, upside down, and we could say the Bible says because you are not good, you need. God in Christ, um, you know that's 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 the deal. I in my witnessing encounters, and I I don't hope I'm not running this whole conversation here, Jason. No, uh, this is why you're on here. So, in, in my witnessing encounters, if 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 one were to turn to Luke chapter 18, it's something that I use often when I'm when I'm speaking with uh, with men that are in the lodge. In Luke 18, 18. You'll remember that a, a, a rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he wanted to know how he could obtain everlasting life. He, it was an honest question. The young man wants to know, how can I be saved? How can I have everlasting life? Now, the thing is, he's a, he's a ruler, which means that he must be a synagogue leader. He must be a young Jewish synagogue leader of some type. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, this is great. He says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, I love this. Why do you call me what? Good. Now, you see, this is interesting because what Jesus says next also explodes that leaflet that says, hey, we take good men and we make them better. Watch what Jesus says. No one is good except God alone. That right there, that right there ought to make you toss all of your Freemason books if you belong to the Lodge. It ought to cause toss them in the trash can, burn them, whatever. It ought to cause you to walk away because they've already sold you a lot. They called you good, and Jesus said, no man is good, only God. 
So, so just think about that. Compare that. And then verse 20 goes on and says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. <clears throat> now listen, this man thought he was good. He thought he was morally ready. He said, he said all of these have I kept from my youth. And that's so this sounding statement. Yes. <laughs> By the way, that's a lie. Yeah. Uh, uh, there is there's no one that's never told at least one lie. I mean, and he says that he's not bore, uh, you know, bared false witness. Um but anyhow, um this man saw himself according to the criteria Jesus gave is already qualified, you know? And I and I think this and, and by the way, Jason, um we could agree to disagree here, but I gave a I was preaching a sermon on this and uh, this particular text of, about a year and a half ago, I believe the disciples knew personally who this young man was. I they recognized this young man, and I believe that they, as well as the Jewish community, wherever this young man was serving, saw this man as the standard, the outward standard of eternal life. If this, if in other words, if any man is going to be saved, if any man was saved, it has to be. This young man, they saw him as a standard. And you remember when Jesus said uh, uh, to him, he said, well, go and, you know, this is what you lack. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Uh, And then Jesus, we said it was difficult for a rich man to get, uh, you know, to uh, enter everlasting life as a camel through the eye of the needle. But I I, I, do you get that from his statement in verse 26? Then who can be saved? There there are responses to that. Yeah, Yeah. that's now here's here's. I don't believe that the disciples were referring to, hey, Jesus, since you said that about rich man, then who can be saved? Listen, the disciples are poor people. Listen, they they probably want rich people to go to hell at this point. I mean, they they feel unfairly treated. Uh, They got everything. They have nothing. I don't think they asked this question. Then who can be saved? Because he was rich and Jesus told him to sell everything. I think that they were in their mind going, wow, if this man, this moral man, this standard bearer of what everlasting life or someone entering eternal life is, if he's not saved, then who in the world can be saved? Who in the world? What kind, no one has the goodness that this young man has. And uh, no one has the morale. Who can match up to that? And that's when, Je- that's when Jesus said this, with man... It is impossible. So to the claim that we can make good men better, to prepare them for God, to make them better brothers, and to prepare their soul is an absolute lie because that's implying that men can obtain salvation through moral morality. And that's a lie. And Jesus said, with man, it is impossible but he said, with God, all things are possible. And by the way, can I just say this is my pet peeve? Folks, do not, do not take that verse out of context and apply with God, all things are possible, as yeah. to you can catch the big touchdown pass or <laughs> score a great grade on your test. In the context, that's referring to salvation. Yeah. Man cannot save himself. If man is to be saved, God himself will have to intervene on his behalf. And that's why this particular encounter with Jesus and this rich young man, this rich young ruler, is so imperative because for the, for the one in the lodge, because he must look at this. The claim is 
We can make you better. You're good already. We can make you better. We can prepare you. And Jesus says, nope, that isn't going to happen because it's impossible with man, only possible with God. Well, I mean, and here's the thing. If, if man himself can achieve his salvation by being moral, right. then there is no room for Christianity anymore. The sacrifice of Christ is not necessary anymore. Um, the resurrection not necessary. Uh, nothing of Christianity is necessary anymore if man himself can be good enough to save himself. That's right. It, it makes Christianity a great scandal. Uh, it's completely over. Yeah, and, and, and uh, it makes it a waste of time. It makes it vain. Um, it reduces and replaces Jesus Christ, and, and that's heresy, folks. Absolutely. That's complete heresy and if and if you're in the lodge just because of that run 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 for your very soul's sake um if you don't have another question i i I do have okay i do have a few quotes here um that i wanted to read um this is taken from uh, again morals and dogma albert pike this is on page 855 um, uh, Pike explains how to obtain salvation. Now, again, this is authoritative writings by the Lodge themselves. He says to achieve it, and he's speaking of salvation and uh, within the context, the Mason must first attain a solid conviction founded upon reason that he hath within him a spiritual nature, a soul that is not to die when the body is dissolved, but is to continue to exist and to advance toward perfection through all ages of eternity and to see more and more clearly as it draws nearer to God, the light of divine presence. In other words, Albert Pike is saying, both in the here and now and your physical, what you're doing is you're working out moral perfections. And when you die, you'll continue to work out these good works of moral perfection until you draw completely to God. That's not found anywhere in the Bible. And, um, and here's where I, I want you to know, everybody, I, I use my filter because I almost said something that I, I may have been offensive with. So, so, uh, but, but really truthfully, that's, uh, that's moronic. That's moronic. That statement is completely incompatible with biblical authority. Amen. Now I'm trying to find something else I had down here. Okay. Now concerning the person of Jesus, because like you said, they do. They really do. Uh, if, if moral works is what makes you right before God, then you have no need of Christ. In fact, there is no need for Jesus at all. But that... That kind of, um, uh, that meshes certainly with what Albert Pike said um, in his book, again, Morals and Dogma, on page 525. Um, And for those of you who may have it, you can go down and look at it. It's the last paragraph. It says, Masonry, it reveres all great reformers. It sees in Moses the lawgiver of the Jews and Confucius and Zoroaster and Jesus of Nazareth and the Arabian iconoclast, great teachers of morality and eminent reformers, if no more, and allows every brother of the order to assign to each such higher and even divine character as his creed or truth require. 
Yeah. The, the amazing thing is what, <clears throat> what I see is, you know, Freemasonry is a historical, um, I mean, it goes back, uh, quite a ways. And I don't know if you know how many centuries it goes back, but what I am hearing is, is actually quite amazing that that's modern syncretism right there. Yes. And, yes. and that, that means that that existed, um, back before postmodernism became the philosophy of the day. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, Jason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So that that's exactly what it is. And um, uh, it's interesting, when I was in a witnessing encounter with a, a man who was in the lodge at the time, I believe he's now stepped out, and I, and I would hope that, that perhaps planting the seeds with him helped. Um, but I did read this particular comment to him, and he said, that's not how our lodge views, uh, views Jesus Christ. We hold him up with high esteem. And uh, again, this man wasn't in the higher ranks. Uh, he was in the lower levels of the lodge. So I, I believe he was, he, was, uh, he was ignorant of these things. Um, so naturally, he fought me on that because that wasn't his experience. But well, when you have a grand commander, Albert Pike, yeah. a grand commander, and one of the chief chief authors of the group you're in, and he states this that that's what they believe. So, well, the thing that I would say to address somebody that makes that particular objection that that was not my experience in my lodge is my simple question for you is if you are a lover of the gospel, if Jesus Christ is your savior, why would you want to be part of an organization overall that denigrates the work of Christ? Amen. And whether or not your particular lodge has some differences with that, why would you want to be associated with that? Aren't we to not be a stumbling block to other believers? Because then what if your your involvement encourages a believer to join a lodge, then that doesn't hold to that. That's right. If that's even even the case. Um, That's right. Well, this particular, going back to my, my testimony several years ago, uh, the chairman of deacons at the church I was at, who was a Freemason, was also the worshipful master of the local lodge there in town. And when I inquired of him, is Jesus the Lord of the lodge? He said, he's my Lord. And I repeated the question, is Jesus Christ the Lord of the lodge? And he said, he's my Lord. And this went on and on and on for at least five minutes. I just kept repeating the same question. And I said, you you are blatantly avoiding my question. Yeah. Uh, if you can't answer uh, infinitively that Jesus is the Lord of the Lodge, then why are you there? Why are you a part of something? And I even put it this way. What if it caused me to stumble that you're a part of that? And he said, well, that's your problem. Well, that's certainly not the spirit of Christianity. Uh, I wouldn't want to cause and create unnecessary stumbling blocks for anybody to come to know Jesus Christ. Um, By the way, uh, one quick question I would want to ask uh, you is for, for the one who's saying that my lodge doesn't have these particular beliefs, there are still common ceremonies between all lodges. And you mentioned one, the last interview where uh, the initiate, says, I'm a child of darkness, and mm-hmm. he wants to come into the light of the lodge. Now, this is a common, right? This is a ceremony, initiate ceremony that every lodge does, correct? And if that's the case, um, even if you say your experience is not that in the lodge, 
uh, and you can maybe clarify what that statement was, why would you as a Christian actually make the claim that you're a child of darkness and that you're going into the lodge for light? Yeah, because if you're a child of Jesus Christ, you you are a child of the light by default. Uh, So you don't need to make any type of ridiculous confession that you're not. Uh, Yeah, so why would you want to... Uh, why would you even want to say that? Yeah, um, Jason, that that is in uh, that will depend on each state's monitor, which is their own little booklet for initiates. Uh, some have some have uh, this happened after the particular uh, podcast interview that you did with me in August. It was brought to my attention that not all of them teach that, or not all of them require that anymore. I guess that's because they kind of got called on the carpet on it, um, you know, when it was being exposed. But yes, uh, the basic line, and, and it goes something like this, it may say child of darkness desiring to become uh, a child of the light, uh, or it may exclude the word child. It may just say, uh, you know, uh, someone of the darkness wants to come to the light. It, it'll have some, some type of phraseology like that. But as I said, and was brought to my attention, a lot of the modern monitors or state books have uh, – uh, have excluded that and have reworded it now to mean something different. I, I think again, cause they got exposed. Yeah. So, but yeah, why would somebody want to do that? I mean, that's that, that right away for first off, why would you want to be blindfolded? I mean, right there, if somebody wants to put a blindfold and I get to join your group by being blindfolded, come on. Um, you, you know, I mean, that's stuff, that's stuff we do in the playground. Uh, when you become a grown man, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to subject yourself to that? That right there ought to send, you know, I call that the EBGB flag. Uh, <laughs> that ought to send off something. Something isn't right right here. I mean, you only have to be a Christian to know something's not right here when they blindfold you. And yeah. back in the old days, you were stripped down naked and, you know, you had your hands tied. Uh, well, they, they, they found out that they're not getting many new recruits and new initiates by doing that. So now you can, you know, you can conveniently come in either dressed in shorts or whatever, but, uh, and I don't think they tie your hands anymore. So, but, but also, and something that I'm not really, uh, I'm really not an expert at being able to, uh, uh, to, um, I guess to give or divulge all of uh, all the information on this particular ceremony. It's the ceremony of the resurrection of, uh, of Harem Abiff. Um, I, you, you know, um, I, I used to know that better, but time has marched on and I haven't used that, had, had to speak on that much <clears throat> until you came along. Uh, but just the mock resurrection that takes place in the lodge in that ceremony, that right there ought to be another EBGB alert. Uh, even for, again, somebody that's not a Christian, they ought to go, this isn't right. I'm out of here. Uh, but that's certainly not compatible with Christianity. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I'm trying to look at another. I think my last quote that I came prepared for was uh, okay. was also um, was also a quote from again Albert Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, page two nineteen. Uh, he said, "This masonry uh, is the universal, eternal, immutable religion." Wow. Um, yeah. So so that means an unchanging religion. It's the only eternal, unchanging religious system. First off, don't they claim not to be a religion? Don't they <laughs> claim that they don't worship? And by the way, in, in, uh, in the, one of the quotes that I didn't finish a minute ago, 
on Morals and Dogma 526, and it, it says this, Masonry is a worship. That's what Albert Pike says. It is a worship. And so here again, he says, universal, eternal, immutable religion, such as God planted it in the heart of universal humanity. There you go. So, in other words, Albert Pike is saying, in your heart, you know that Freemasonry is the only eternal religious system. And I'm sorry, that doesn't bear witness in my heart. Um, He goes on and says, yeah, he says, no creed has ever been long ever been long-lived that was not built on this foundation. So he was, he's actually saying all, all um, long-lived creeds, or not creeds, uh, religious systems are built on this foundation of Freemasonry. But that's a lofty statement. <laughs> well, and that's contrary to the Word of God itself, because the Word of God makes all those same claims. Yes, Exactly. The quote goes on and says this, the ministers of this religion are all Masons who comprehend it and are devoted to it. Its sacrifices to God are good works. The sacrifices of the base and the disorderly passions, the offering up of self-interest on the altar of humanity and perpetual efforts to attain to all the moral perfection of which man is capable. And remember what Romans said. Romans said man isn't capable. Jesus said man isn't capable. But Freemasonry, through Albert Pike, says we are. What I'm, what I'm hearing is that, uh, and one thing out there for my listeners uh, and those of you that are, are new to this, is there's two categories for religion. You have the religion of man's ability, and you have the religion of God's ability. Christianity is the only one that falls into what God has done for sinners. God accomplishes it. God accomplishes the salvation. Uh, Man is fallen. Man is a sinner. He cannot save himself. All of man's religions, whether it's Mormonism, whether it's Jehovah's Witness, whether it's Islam, or whether it's Freemasonry, it all falls into the category of man's ability to do that which is necessary to save himself. And so what I'm hearing here is I'm hearing Freemasonry falls into the dustbin, the recycle bin of all the other world religions that are all yes. based on man's ability. And for those of you out there that trust in the work of Christ alone, Jesus Christ is your Savior. He accomplished your salvation for you. You should be abhorred by any system that tells you that Jesus' work was not sufficient. You need to accomplish it on your own. Um, And that is the thing that we would plead with you out there, anyone uh, who is listening to this. Well, Jason, that would be a great place to end this podcast on those statements of what you just said, because that is exactly right. Either there's there's only two types of religion one that's accepted by God through Christ, and all the others are rejected. So there's only two kinds. And uh, uh, that's the appeal of this podcast. And I know that's your heart, Jason, and I know that's why you had me on here. It's, it's not to prove you as a Mason that you're some kind of extra evil person or that you belong to some grand conspiracy, but our hearts are that you hear these things, compare them to what the Bible says, and that you repent and believe 
and, uh, and trust Jesus. Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, I can tell that that is your heart. And that's the, <clears throat> that's the thing that we just want everyone out there to know. We're not here to bash people over the head uh, with, you know, with Freemasonry uh, and, and the issues there. Our desire is for you to understand the true gospel and believe in that. And our challenge would be, is that look at the claims of scripture, look at what the true gospel is, and then compare it to the claims of whatever it is, whether it's Freemasonry, it doesn't really matter what there it is. There you go. There you go. If, if it is opposed to the gospel of Christ, uh, it is not something that we as Christians uh, should be promoting in any way. So uh, we are actually at an hour stand. So uh, right. that's, that's about what I usually try to shoot my podcast for, except when I, I go overtime sometimes. But uh, <laughs> Well, Jason, but, uh, thanks for having me on, and, and thanks for all of you that are going to watch this and perhaps uh, share it with somebody. Um, I count it a privilege to be able to not only share my testimony and what God's doing in my life and even the encounters that I've had with the Lodge, um, but I, I truly want everyone to know that, that uh, look, there's no good thing that dwells in Stan Gibson except Jesus Christ. Um, uh, I'm not any better than anybody out there. Jesus has saved me by his grace through faith and, and, and all the credit and glory is due him. But, but what a privilege, what an honor it is to be on this podcast. Thanks for having me again, Jason. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. So, all right. Uh, well, that's uh, where we're going to end the program today. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, uh, remember to uh, check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to it, uh, find us on iTunes, and uh, you can also check out the website at logicalbelief.org. Thank you for joining us today. God bless. We'll see you guys next week. Lord willing. Solo Deo Gloria. Don't you know that the unjust will not inherit God's kingdom? Through Adam's offense